since I started writing this way, I've noticed people have these ideas that are sometimes to me more influential than the original idea that I had. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today I have Luna, and you may know Luna from such bands as Orator, Cosmic Lung, Fall Afternoon, and their current band, The Latex Figure. Luna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Today we're going to be listening to their song, Spiders in Your Head, which was just recently released as a single. So without further ado, let's listen to the song. Rust 
I'm sure if you've heard the show, you know that my first and favorite question is what came first, the music or the words? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the music for sure. Yeah. I take a long, long time with lyrics and also I have a difficult time with vocal melodies. So a lot of times what I do is I'll write the guitar part and then I will try to make the vocals so that it kind of matches the guitar, like almost beat for beat, because I have Mm. to do that in order for it to make sense in my head. So I'll kind of figure out like how many syllables am I going to fit into this measure, you know, the second measure and so on and so forth. Mm. And then I'll start working on it from there, really just starting with the syllables. But it takes a long time for me to find the words. And then sometimes, you know, I try to see if I can squeeze in like an extra syllable. And then after years of practicing and working on the song bit by bit, eventually it turns into something where it doesn't sound like I'm doing that, where I'm just like trying to follow all the notes of the guitar. I don't know if any of that made sense. You said that you look at it from like the measure perspective and how many syllables are in the measure. When you create this, are you playing it on the guitar and figuring it out that way? Or are you actually writing it out? For example, in in the first verse, you'll hear like a ba-na-na-na-na-na. I'll actually draw out little lines on a blank piece of paper. And one line is like symbolic of a syllable. So I hear... I hear like one, two, three, four, five, six. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can fit six syllables into that one little guitar phrase. And I'll do that for the whole song, just as kind of like a rough draft. And then obviously, like I said, my creative process is very slow. It's basically just like practicing the same thing over and over for a couple years and then just doing like little tweaks here and there. Once I've had something for maybe like a year or so and it hasn't really changed in the last year or so, then I'll know that it's done. In that context, how long have you been working on this song? 
This song, I believe I started in 2018, maybe late 2017. So it's been a slow, hmm. slow build. See, there's other things too, though, like you mentioned earlier, like I'm, I have another solo project, which is called Fall Afternoon. And the creative process for that one is very different in the sense where I'm not as concerned with letting things slowly build over time. Fall Afternoon is more of a stream of consciousness, mm. unedited, unfiltered, raw. But when I started this project, I set out with the sole intention or the sole purpose of I'm going to not cut any corners with it and I'm just mm. going to really take my time with every facet of the sound whether it's the writing the recording the aesthetics of you know the artwork and the photography and all of that sort of thing i like how thoughtful your uh, i don't want to call it your logo but it i mean it's your your actual name the latex figure is this very like it interconnects with itself in in such a cool way but it also has this very flowy character to it and it, i don't know it's just really well done yeah and i have um, to give credit to uh dot dot homer who did my logo i i worked with her on that and i kind of gave her a um a vibe or an aesthetic that i was going for i mean i i think she absolutely killed it like it's i'm really really happy with it and she's also a very talented musician is the latex figure a more recent creation the latex figure as an idea started around 2017 2018 i was going to make it different to fall afternoon in a couple of ways one of which was really taking my time with everything not cutting any corners and then also not really putting any restrictions on myself mm. in terms of like when i'm writing like the guitar parts for example i'm kind of just allowing myself to do whatever my brainstem is telling me to. <laughs> There's still a structure to the songs, but I think it's more in terms of like the guitar lines and the scales that I use. The progressions are very dissonant and strange. If I was trying to write a song for Fall Afternoon, I might hesitate to proceed if I come up with a cool riff that's a little dissonant or strange because I want that to be more of a straightforward sound. But with this, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And even if it's weird, I'm going to follow that train of thought and keep following it and see what happens. It sounds like you're using a dropped tuning on your guitar. Is that usually where you start off? I sometimes use drop tuning, but not always. I use a baritone acoustic guitar. So that might be kind of what you're hearing. That's yeah, that sounds it's uh okay. the standard tuning is it's not drop, but it's way, way low. <laughs> I think maybe like two or three songs on the album would be in technically like drop G or mm. drop A. Gotcha. Or something like that. But most of the time I'm just using the standard baritone tuning. If you use a baritone acoustic is that your primary instrument to compose with yeah 100 percent. for a long time i was just using a regular guitar like in fall afternoon and stuff because it's the same tuning that i use for fall afternoon but i was just using a regular guitar for like the longest time and i actually had no idea that i was playing in baritone tuning oh that so was the same tuning but i always struggled with 
you know, like fret buzzing and stuff like mm. that, you know, come to find out that it's like, oh, I can just get a baritone that's in that tuning, you know, yeah. it really changed a lot for me because I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I mean, a lot of this stuff, like with just music and like learning how to songwrite and and all that stuff has pretty much just been like a trial and error thing for me. You know, that was another example of something where it was just like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but once I discovered that, you know, baritone guitars exist, I was like, wow, this is kind of my thing. You had been working on this for several years with the guitar part and, and building up based on that. When did you start adding the words? Um, it's different for every song. I don't remember exactly when I started writing the lyrics for this one. I think different parts of the song happened at different times. I've, I would have started it probably like summer 2018. Maybe finished it around fall. Quote unquote finished it like the rough draft or mm -hmm. whatever. From there, I think it was just kind of like tweaking words, tweaking the way that I sung certain lines. That's pretty much, I think, what I did for the following three years after that was just mm. little tiny tweaks. It's weird because sometimes I'll spend forever trying to find the right words and then other times it just kind of falls into my head. Like mm. I'll just sit down and I'll write out an entire sheet of lyrics in like 10 minutes and it doesn't really deviate much from that in the following years, but it just depends. I think this one took a little bit longer. It's great being a songwriter when the words just kind of trickle out of you like in this amazing way where it's just like boom, boom, boom. But it's the hardest part when it doesn't happen like that and then you really have to work at it. Mm -hmm. I admire your dedication in working with it, with your, your craft to make the songs that you do with this kind of, I want to say a trickle, like it, it comes out at little bits and parts, which leads me into my question, like when did the concept of this come about? When was it going to be the spiders in your head? Well, the other thing too, that when it comes to writing songs, and I guess I should have mentioned this before, usually before I start writing the guitar, I have an idea of what the song is going to kind of be about. I just mm. don't have the words yet. It kind of starts with a simple idea that could maybe be summarized in like a sentence. And then I'll take that and use it as inspiration to create a mood with the guitar. And then after the guitar is done, that's when the words come in. So with this one, it was an idea that I came up with while I was in therapy, actually. We were talking about mindfulness and how sometimes someone can say something that might not be intended to be an attack, but based on the sort of insecurities or things that are in your head from your past and your just experience of being alive, that can kind of bring out a sort of like pain or like a panic within yourself. So it's a song about trying to be mindful of those thoughts and the thoughts are kind of like the spiders, you know, like coming to life and moving around in your head. And it, it's sort of a song about mindfulness and trying to like watch your thoughts and be in control of them and all of that sort of thing. Me assimilating what you just told me and then me kind of spitting it back out in, in a way that's me trying to process, <laughs> which is how most of this works. It hits me as that being that things that happen within our heads are things that are 
unless we're verbalizing them, unless we're acting out on them, unless we're expressing them in some way, it, it just, it's sitting there in this kind of darkness and we don't necessarily know how our words or actions can affect those those things that we can't see that is exactly it yeah and that's another sort of angle you can take on it and that, the other thing too that i tried to do with the latex figure as opposed to other projects where i've been involved in the lyric writing i have a specific idea or a story that i'm telling in the song but i'm also trying to kind of leave open ends for interpretation so that depending on who's listening to it, they can fill in the gaps in their own unique ways and get their own sort of meaning from it. So mm -hmm. it's not as limited, I guess. Even though there is a specific idea that I am communicating, I like to deviate and allow other ideas to be projected onto the lyrics. My initial interpretation was me thinking, what are the spiders in my head? What are the things that I want to say torment me? What are the things that keep me up at night, make the way that I process things difficult. And I was just thinking about like my own ADHD. The problem with things that happen in the head and thinking about spiders themselves, when they lay their eggs, it's not just one egg. It's like this big sack of like really creepy ass, <laughs> like, like ball that all these spiders will just come crawling out one day. When are the spiders going to make more spiders and unknown until this dark entity arrives, you know, and I just yeah, keep thinking yeah. about like, that's, that's all the eggs hatching is what I keep thinking of when, or when the, I was reading that. The, the dark entity might be, because like I have ADHD too, you know, so I relate to what you're talking about with your examples and your interpretation. An example might be something that somebody might say without realizing that you have ADHD that reflects poorly on your character. Mm. or them sort of misunderstanding and getting frustrated and saying that's sort of like the dark wizard casting a spell you know that's like unlocking those insecurities that you have about yourself one of the things that i've appreciated about your writing in fall afternoon as well as this project the the latex figure there's an abstract quality to it because i don't feel like you're trying to just fill it fill the whole thing with sound you let certain notes breathe and you let certain thoughts breathe and i feel like that's the formula to your writing style in some ways i, I don't know if that made sense but I, i'm just curious where did you develop that kind of writing style that's really interesting i like hearing and this is why i was kind of saying like i'm have moved with my lyricism in more of a vague direction where people can get their own meanings from it and the reason why is because i like hearing other t people's interpretation mm. of my like what you just said is like fascinating to me because i'm like wow really <laughs> like that's what I'm doing you know I don't know I was homeschooled I spent a lot of time as a kid reading Stephen King and a lot of like horror stuff authors who are very like creative in the way that they say things you're not just picking up a cup of coffee and drinking it it's like you're feeling the warmth on your fingertips mm -hmm. and the aroma kind of tickles your eyes in addition to your nostrils and uh -huh. it adds to the sensory experience you know it's very like overly descriptive i think maybe that was a big influence on my writing hmm. possibly i don't want to bore people so i try to like streamline and cut everything down as much hmm. as i can and be descriptive without 
overstaying my welcome like at one point i was like well that's kind of the opposite of what you're doing but i was like no what you're doing is you're getting right to the specifics of an image and not really expanding on it you just get to what it is that was kind of my takeaway from that this is where like tweaking words gradually over time comes into play it's really just a lot of making every single line as not boring as possible Mm. you know like i'll just write out a line with an idea in it and it's just like a generic line but then over time i will try to find ways to make symbolism or just spice it up in a way to where it's actually interesting. I spend a lot of time on that, trying to be as descriptive as possible, like I said, and creative without being too self-indulgent. I mean, I love stuff that's very over the top and like dense, but like, I'm also trying to communicate my ideas to everybody. Where was this recorded? It was recorded by Zach Burke at the Roadhouse Studio in Whiteheath. For anyone who's not aware of who Zach Burke is. He's the drummer of Air Cobra, Ashland, projects like that. He does his own studio business on the side. Just absolutely phenomenal. Like, he's so good. I keep thinking that there are like these three sections. It's the intro, I want to say, you know, the all the way up, like from the beginning to about where you're, you start talking about resting, waiting, the right words will bring them back to life. I feel like that's a transition to like this third section, which I think is this interesting part because I was like, is somebody like slowly cranking up on like the distortion that's happening with all the instruments? Because it feels like it starts to not disintegrate. I called it there's an up in the decay, <laughs> but it's like the, there's there's more and more distortion added to the instruments as it goes along, which is funny because I think the last section I think of is, is more of like this positive because you, you switch to more of like this major line and you're even, if this makes sense, but you even sing happier, it almost sounds like a little bit. <laughs> right, but. right. Well, towards the end, I start talking more about the mindfulness component to everything, making sure that you're watching where your head is going and remaining grounded. So that's where the lyrics change. And then also, I think the emotion of the song changes to to match Mm. it in my mind i was thinking of because the word of a dark wizard i kind of had this thought of like making an incantation or or picking just the right words for a spell but i mean i guess in some ways like if we are to manifest certain things towards other people we are using our words like a spell that's a good example of how i was talking earlier about how trying to make certain phrases just pop more and like how that's where i spend a lot of my time you know, being patient with a song, referring to a person communicating as a dark wizard is a good example Mm. of that. I think I was listening to a lot of stoner doom during that period. And so I was really, you know, I was really high, no pun intended, on, you know, wizards and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, that's kind of like a dark wizard, you know. There is some thought behind the idea and stuff, but then there's also times too with like the words that I use where I'm just kind of like, that just sounds badass, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I always like to talk about what is my favorite part. I get to this point where I, I love really dark, sad things that make me feel sad. But I also like when there's this idea of like, well, maybe there's hope. Yeah, um, totally. And so that end part, little spiders scurrying out from their beds into the forefront of your cerebrum. 
bringing their messages to light. It almost sounds like it's more of like using a melodic minor rather than actually going to major, but um, so that there's like major chords in there rather than it being specifically dropping over into the major key because there's still parts where it's just like it still feels feels tied down to the minor and there's just some cool things happening like you got to sing with yourself you know doing some harmonies and things like that where it's like in my mind anytime you bring anything that's kind of choral it's got some kind of celebratory or it just conjures up this image of hey things are going to be like a little bit okay a little bit better and and there's just some cool things that are happening in there and and as you um, as you're finishing that, that bringing their messages to light, you start doing the spoken part where it's the only your level of mindfulness will dictate whether or not your limbs are fueled into obeying their commands. That that just seems like a very strange thing to say, but I, I also, I mean, I'm curious about that line specifically where it's the, the idea of being able to be mindful enough that you can control your own limbs i I mean (laughs) mean, (laughs) when you put it that way it does seem very ridiculous (laughs) no i didn't mean it in that way i mean because i i actually like some there's there's well the way that it's said is is in a very like absurdist but also in a very like some of the earlier surrealist they they used to think about how there was like the subconscious of like you allow your your mind to just go and then you just auto draw so I think of that as kind of the which your, your limbs are fueled. That's that's a good point, and that that is also the entirety of how I create in this project mm. is just letting my brain go without any sort of restraint. So that's a really good tie-in there, and I also love surrealist abstract art so to be honest with you though i think a lot of those tie-ins that you made i think are subconscious on my end in all honesty though when i wrote that part it was just me trying to think of a more creative way to say like are you going to watch your thoughts or are Mm. you going to listen to your thoughts or are you going to realize that thoughts are just thoughts and they're not always real that was pretty much you know i just found a creative way a more fun way to say that cool (laughs) Like, unfortunately, that's kind of as deep as it goes. Again, this is the beauty of being kind of vague with writing or just kind of being a little bit more abstract with it is you get to hear cool interpretations like the one that you just had, Mm -hmm. where a lot of times since I started writing this way, I've noticed people have these ideas that are sometimes to me more influential than the original idea that Mm -hmm. I had. I was like, wow, that's really cool. I always find it interesting whenever I mention my interpretation of a particular line or verse. And I'm always like, okay, what am I really like how your words are actually more of a reflection of my own thoughts and my own interpretations from my worldview than they are necessarily about you am i saying something that just exposes me in some weird way (laughs) what's your favorite part in this song i think i like the outro part where it starts to weave in that sort of like feeling of hope i don't know why just (laughs) because i just like how it turned out i guess i think a lot of how it turned out sonically is credit to zach just the way that he mixed and Hmm. engineered everything i feel like really makes that part in particular hit super hard it's less to do with the actual part as much as it is i'm just happy with how the mixing and the recording turned out again i can't say enough about zach burke he's just 
genius i think nice. he's so good like <laughs> i could just probably throw anything that i've made at him and he could polish it up and make it 20 times better so <laughs> why did you pick this as your favorite song to talk about mainly just because it's the first song that i've put out <laughs> okay. i don't have anything out yet i released this song first because I think it's the most representative of maybe what the whole record sounds like. Like if I had to pick one song that sort of, I think, represents the vibe of the whole album, it's probably that one. The album goes in a lot of different directions, but that song kind of does a little bit of everything mm. that I do, where it's sort of like creepy, unsettling, heavy, hopeful... Hopefully I'll be putting out more songs soon, but I'm kind of just playing it by ear. I have a whole record made that I'm just sitting on. Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Luna, do you have a favorite Champaign-Urbana venue? Well, it used to be Mike and Molly's before they went away. And then I guess also Blips and Chits was always my jam. They're still doing shows there. As the Birdhouse. As the Birdhouse, that's it, yeah. I haven't been in years just because of everything that's been going on. I've been kind of staying away from from live shows. Yeah, it's the Birdhouse now. I, I love that place too. That place is awesome. I've played there a bunch of times. Just great memories there. I just have a fondness for house venues. Orator was my first band and I played a lot of shows. We went on a tour, you know, that was like a couple weeks and played in a bunch of different states. Then that band, we always ended up playing like house shows and basements and punk shows. And so that's kind of my background. One thing I've definitely learned is a good DIY venue is going to be infinitely better than the best public venue. I agree. There's an odd ownership of the music that gets put on there. Don't interpret this as me putting down any venues out there that, you know, are a business because we need you so much and we appreciate you having a place for people to play. But I also feel that there's that, I don't know, it's just like... It's just a different vibe, you know? There's great things about DIY house shows and there's great things about bigger venues too. It's just kind of what you're into. I tend to really like the DIY spaces just because of the intimacy and the vibe 
it just feels very close. For some reason, those feel more special because I'm just like, okay, it's it's me and like these 10 or 15 people that are crammed in and sometimes big, much, much bigger, but that we're all kind of crammed in here witnessing this one event of this band either from out of town or from in town or whatever. And it's just this, you know, there's probably nobody filming it and there's probably nobody saving it. So it's just like this very specific moment snap in time that's just what makes things so special mm-hmm. i don't know i i'm no they're you're exactly right yeah, i'm over gushing like, but i yeah uh, i love I, I mean that's just something that i i appreciate because when that can be cultivated and like people can try new things and like they feel safe to try new things musically and um artistically i just think like that's that has an amazing value that I don't think most people appreciate as much. The Blips and Shits was you, your favorite DIY venue. Have you played as Fall Afternoon at at a DIY venue yet? Or I, I'm just saying, Latex is is still pretty. Latex figure is pretty new, so I figured you hadn't played live with that yet. I never got to play Blitz and Shits as Fall Afternoon, unfortunately. Hopefully I'll get to play at Birdhouse as latex figure. I feel like that would be great. I feel like there's kind of a lack of venues now, and maybe this is just part of our whole cycle of ebbs and flows, but I don't know. Either the DIY spaces need to step up. Well, they kind of have, but you know, granted, we need to get out of this pandemic a little bit better before well, yeah, they can really get back. That's that's really what it is. I think right now is just mostly the last couple of years has been just kind of weird with with you know pandemic stuff. Nobody feels entirely safe. Hopefully, once we move out of the pandemic, I'm hoping that there'll be a sort of renaissance yeah. with art and venues and stuff like that. Well, how long have you been in in this area? Uh, well, I was born and raised here. Okay, um, so I, a while. <laughs> it's quite a bit yeah <laughs> a lot of years yeah um i did move or i guess i should say my mom moved to florida and took me with her when i was 15 so i was kind of in the tampa area for maybe like three four years and then i came back so i got a little bit of tampa florida but you know mainly just here <laughs> midwest gotcha. i i don't know i love i don't know i like it here so I, i'm just curious what do you think champagne urbana does well in terms of the music scene because you know it's going to be followed with what could they do better i don't know if this entirely answers your question but i think that there's a lot of talent here a lot of unrecognized talent too i think which might be your answer to your next question, which is <laughs> more venues, more venues that feel safe, I think, right. might be an issue. I think safety is a really big thing. I think there's a lot of unrecognized talent here, and I wish that there was just more of a way to bring those people out of the shadows more, you know, or bring more really creative minds together mm. in a way that feels exciting and and safe. And if there was some way to get more people together who can like see each other's talents and know what's in the deck of that playing 
you there, know there are so card. many yeah. people who i know from around here who have like songs and albums that are just like some of my favorite shit that i've ever heard and they're just like not playing shows or they don't have any they're just like mm. eh, it's just something i do how do we get that in front of people like just get it out of there you know i hate to put responsibility on anybody else but maybe that's the point is that we need to be looking at how do we show off other people how do we show off all these amazing groups like how do we share this new music that we really like i think it's got to be related to venues right i would think i mean like i said i don't really have the answers but like I mean, I guess Birdhouse is still going strong and before the pandemic and stuff, Blips and Shits was like a hot spot. There were a lot of people, a lot of bands going through there. Veronica Mullen, right? Mm -hmm. Like she did my photographs and stuff, did an amazing job. You know, people like that who would just put work into like facilitating that sort of atmosphere. And I think if we had more people like that, you know, I might even try to do something like that once we get out of this pandemic because I would love to do something like that, but... It's just a weird time, you know. You know, if we could get more more sweet venues like that, I think that could do a, a lot of people a lot of favors. Here's the question that in some ways we've kind of answered. What makes a good scene? More just nice people, more collectivist, I think. More like thinking about showcasing other people as opposed to yourself, possibly. Yeah. I mean, certainly we've touched upon having spaces that are available but just having an open space that people can come to just isn't enough it has to be a space that people don't have to worry about their own safety or or the safety of other people it just yeah um, and i think unfortunately it's easier said than done i think it shouldn't be but it right. feels like it is <laughs> but i think a lot of it too is how a space or an area is developed or, or thought of if you think of i'm gonna go to a bar and there just will happen to be music there i don't think there's a sense of community like instilled in that already if you're like this is a venue and hey there may be some alcohol there and and that's but that's not our goal and I know that that comes all mixed with all sorts of like, how does a venue function if they don't make money? Or this is why this is the question that I always try to ask, because it's like, maybe someone will come up with that idea. But no, it, it, it's one of these things where it, it's, I don't think anyone will be able to ever solve this. But I think it's that trying to get there and like envisioning what the good picture would be is is the goal. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I picture it. It would be so awesome if there were just like weekly shows at a place and people were excited to go every week. Like that was something you put on your calendar mm. where you're just like, who's playing this week? Who's playing this Friday? Like, let's go yeah. hang out and maybe our band can play too. That's my idea of fun. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. 
Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week, they can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. Luna, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? It's pretty much all music, man. I mean, I like coffee a lot. (laughs) Pretty boring answer. A lot of like what I love is just music and making music. It's pretty underwhelming, I know, but no, I don't know. I I mean, I, I draw a little bit. I do a little bit of pencil drawing. My mom's an art teacher, so like I know how to draw. I don't necessarily like draw for fun, though. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's more like if I'm just bored. I don't do anything for enjoyment. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's more like if I scroll through Netflix long enough and just can't find anything and there's just nothing for me to do, I'll draw something that's pretty cool. But you know that's also if i've exhausted all my creative resources when it comes to music like you know because you do burn yourself out sometimes like you can only play dissonant devil's intervals for so long before you're just like i gotta do something else like this is a problem do you have a goal when you're drawing or is it is it kind of you just auto draw It's a lot of auto draw stuff. It's a lot of just abstract. I really love street art. Graffiti art is like a huge influence for me. I mean, when it comes to drawing, like colorful, crazy, abstract, psychedelic patterns, stuff like that. You said there are pencil drawings or like, so colored pencil? Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of weird, right? It's like, I try to capture the graffiti art aesthetic but with pencil basically i've never actually used i've never tried to do a a tag or anything like that Mm. so i but i just love how it looks i i just love it so much the vibe the vibe man (laughs) would like creative writing would that count as a even though that's mixed with my music it's it's a part of my sure. musical project, but that's something I really like to do. I like to write creatively, like poems and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a lot of fun for me. Is it always poems or is it, you know... Uh, well, I don't know if you could really call, like, the latex figure songs poems. It's more... It's stuff like that, you know? Just very, like, freeform, kind of loose trying to think of like incredibly strange and unconventional ways to say a simple sentence Hmm. playing with words you know that's i love doing that it always gets merged with my music though you know so i don't know if that counts as like a non-musical thing or not but they may be things that inspire you to make more music but not not necessarily have to be so i get a i get a pass for that I don't think of that as like a pass. I just think that it's like, it's it's another creative endeavor that isn't specifically music. So. Yeah. All right. I'll roll with that then. Yeah. Creative writing and sometimes I'll 
grumpily do a drawing, but only <laughs> because I'm bored. Luna, thank you for being on the show and telling me all about your song, Spiders in Your Head, and talking about the music scene and your favorite non-musical things. And I appreciate you coming all the way out here and chatting with me for a little bit. Thank you so much for having me. I had an absolute blast. This was awesome. Like, seriously, I love the space. I love the show. Cool. Really awesome stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Luna reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. I forgot what the question was because this coffee is so delicious <laughs> that it's consuming my every thought. I use my my Bandcamp sales to pay my Netflix bill.